Welcome to Open House, the Saskatoon Business Podcast, where we highlight Saskatoon's epic business culture by interviewing their best and brightest owners. We strive to deliver value in one simple model. What's in it for you? I'm your host, Scott Ziegler. What are you, some kind of real estate agent? Oh, he's a realtor. There is a difference somehow. Yes, I am a realtor with Remax Saskatoon, and we are broadcasting today from the Remax headquarters in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada's best and greatest prairie city. Um, pretty excited today. Um, today is the launch of the very first episode of my very first podcast. And I need to just thank a couple of people up front. I want to thank David Hutchison of the Someone Podcast, is a local podcaster here in Saskatoon. He uh, really helped me walk through the technical details, um, the technology. It's a, it's a big undertaking to start something from scratch. And also, we edit podcasts. They are located in the 220 building um, on 20th Street in Saskatoon. They're a podcast studio. Between David and we edit uh, podcasts, they, 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 they did a lot for me to get me started and get me where I am today to get this first podcast off the ground. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about that, and I'm, I'm very thankful to them. So we're entering into Season 1 of Open House, the Saskatoon Business Podcast. And even though I'm a realtor, this is not a real estate podcast. It's a business podcast featuring some of Saskatoon's best and brightest business owners and business leaders. Um, season one will be a little bit heavy on real estate as we walk through um, the businesses that you would go through on a typical real estate transaction. So mortgage brokers, home inspectors, lawyers, um, house insurance, you know, uh, a real estate investor, a stager, all those types of things. So season one will be a little bit heavy on real estate, but it is more of a business podcast. Now, one of the things I'm excited about to open season one, we're actually going to start with a three-part mini-series. It's the past, present, and future of real estate. Episode three, I will be interviewed by a guest podcaster about where I started, where I am today, and where I'm heading in the future. Episode two will be Larry Stewart, the broker owner of Remax, and you know he owns a, the, one of the franchises here in Saskatoon and many around the province. And he will be telling us sort of the past, present, and future of Remax and where it came from and where it's going. And then starting today with episode one, talking about the real estate industry as a whole and the governing body of real estate, the past, the present, and the future. And I'm very excited to introduce our first guest, Jason Yoakum. Thanks for joining me today, Jason. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. And I, I know that you're super busy. So the fact that you're here today, it, it means a lot to me. So thanks for coming. You're welcome. So I just want to briefly get into a short bio of Jason. Jason was actually licensed as a realtor in the fall of 93 and practiced for 13 years primarily in the residential market. So you got out in 2006 and that's the year I got in. So we just, we just missed each other. And actually from time to time, I still come across uh, you know, a property that you listed or sold when I'm doing a market evaluation. So, and I actually ran into a past client of yours the other day. Um, 2006 to 2011, you were employed by the Ministry of Government Services as a realty manager responsible for leasing office space to government staff in Saskatoon and area. And then you were hired by the Saskatoon Region Association of Realtors in September of 2011 as the manager of member services. Um, two months later, you were promoted to the executive officer with the untimely death of Harry Jansen. So 
it's good to get promoted, but probably not the best way to do it. Um, and then Jason remained in this position until just October of, of this last year, 2019, when he was hired to serve as the inaugural CEO of the Saskatchewan Realtors Association. In March of 2019, the members of the Saskatchewan Realtors Association, Association of Regina Realtors, and the Saskatoon Region Association of Realtors voted to amalgamate their organizations to form a single association of over 1,500 licensed realtors and members. The only times I read that over to make sure I didn't tongue-tie myself on that one. And then lastly, Jason's an experience is, is experience in construction and property management and rental properties. Is that it? That's pretty much it. I wonder if we can just get into this, Jason, the, you know, the past, the present, and the future. I wonder, can you tell the listeners a little bit about the history of organized real estate in Saskatoon? Like, I don't know, or even Saskatchewan, I don't know, you know, you haven't been in it for that long. I don't know how far you're able to go back, but uh, what, what can you tell us about sort of the history of organized real estate in the province? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Scott. So in this province, we used to have 10 real estate associations several years back. Uh, our own association, the Saskatoon Region Association of Realtors, used to be the Saskatoon Real Estate Board. And it got its start actually in 1911, so we're over 100 years. And I believe Regina hit their 100th anniversary a couple of years back as well. So organized real estate has a great history in this province. And uh, to add to that, um, having this amalgamation here in 2020 is another huge step for this province as a leader in this country. Yeah, and I, actually that, that leads into the, you know, to the next question I have. Um, for those that, that don't know, as Jason just mentioned, you know, we went from, you know, 10 boards scattered across the province down to one large association. What, what's the significance of that? Like, why now and, and why at all? It's a good question, Scott. So this is sort of an evolution over time. Uh, this conversation probably really got started about 20 years ago when those smaller cities had uh, looked at their association's viability and determined that maybe it would be best to join with one of the larger cities, either Saskatoon or Regina, and become what we call councils. So up to about three years ago, that left us with just Saskatoon, Regina, and the Provincial Association. And we felt with 15 to 1,600 members, we could be a better voice for advocacy. Uh, we could bring better economies of scale to our members as far as providing them with services in a cost-effective way and bring standardized training, education, um, professional standards to the province as well through a single association. Reality is in this country, there's real estate brokerage offices that have more than 1,500 members. So we felt it makes sense to have one organization for that many members. Yeah, it makes sense to me too. And you, you just touched on something uh, leading into the next question. You talked about the association, you know, bringing economies to scale and professional standards and, and that kind of stuff. Why is it important for the public to know that we actually have an association? That I, I think the public understands that, hey, as a realtor, you know, you might be with one of the brokerages, Remax, Century 21, Realty Executives. And then, you know, further to that, we're, we're all kind of individual agents doing our own thing. But why is it important for the public to know that we are sort of governed by an association versus just being a bunch of rogue agents out there? And I don't mean that in a negative way, but just, you know, each doing our own thing. That's a very good point, Scott. I think for most people, a real estate transaction is the largest transaction they'll ever be involved in in their life. And I, I, I'd like to remind our members and even the public, let's just assume for a minute we didn't have standard contracts and standard forms. Every agent has their own contracts that they made up on their their desktop and uh, can you imagine how 
loose that would be out in the marketplace as far as risk and liability and things going sideways. So just one of the key things we bring is standardized form so that every transaction follows the same paperwork. And then we have professional standards and rules and bylaws for our members to follow to protect the consumer. And those are now standardized across the province so they're the same in every market, every community, every city, every country. Cool. Yeah, and I know that I've I've sat on um, a few committees, uh, you know, in the board office in the past, and professional standards was was one of them. And you know, we would see, you know, something as minor as you know somebody putting their contact information or something in the wrong place to as as major as like you said, not using the proper forms and you know not protecting the the, the public. So I think, like you said, having that standardization and that just that uh, that oversight to make sure that at the end of the day the public is looked after is is important, right? Absolutely. I mean, the reputation of our members is key in the community. We want to make sure we're doing what we can to ensure that our members behave in a professional manner and represent their clients well. Great. Um, Now I want to talk about the future of real estate a little bit. Um, You know, as, as agents, we're constantly being told that we're obsolete or we will be obsolete five or 10 years, 20 years, whatever, you know, you hear different, different things. What, what's your opinion when, you know, people would say that as a, as a real estate agent, you know, whether it be technology or whatever that, you know, we're going to get weeded out or taken out of the, the standard transaction. What, what would you say to that? Uh, I would disagree to that, but I'll, I'll put a caveat on that. So I believe that our members are very relevant to every transaction because they bring an unbiased position. They bring their expertise and knowledge of the marketplace. As a consumer, primarily you're emotionally involved in the transaction. It's difficult to separate yourself from that and be able to engage in a negotiation process properly. And uh, I think what is changing in the marketplace with technology and web portals and things like that, the consumers really want to have control of the transaction. And what will change is when does the realtor get inserted into that process? Go back 20 years ago, the realtor inserted himself or herself very early in the process providing information to the client, showing them property, negotiating, and so on. Now the consumer's going out there and doing their own research, Mm -hmm. looking at property. There's online virtual tours, everything you need to see that home and and do your research. And then you contact the member and say, I've narrowed it down to this. I believe I'm ready to make a move. I need your help. Yeah, good point. And I, you know, one of the things that I've I've said to that is that, and you touched on the, the emotion of it, you know, I, I, I joke with my clients all the time. I said, I, you know, I, I major in real estate, but I also minor in marriage counseling. And, you know, we deal from, from anything from, you know, a divorce, whether it's amicable or, or, or nasty, to a first-time home buyer that, that knows nothing about construction to, you know, to, to a family that's unexpectedly pregnant and all of a sudden needs a, a bigger space. And I, I just think that going online in those situations and, and trying to figure your way through it probably isn't, isn't going to be feasible. Aside from maybe a, a seasoned investor who's buying his 15th or 20th property and it all comes down to the numbers, uh, I, I just don't, I think the emotion of it is, is too great to, to weed out. But that's a great point about when the, um, the agent will get you know, inserted into the transaction. Yeah, one of the dangers is because our members are well-trained and they do such a good job and most transactions go very smoothly, Consumers have this false sense of security that, oh, I could do that on my own. But they don't realize that the agents made it so smooth and so seamless and so uh, free of risk and liability. And then when the consumer tries it, it's kind of like fixing your own car. 
oh, I think I could do that. And then you get into it and you realize I'm way over my head. That's a great point. I watched a YouTube video on how to change my brakes and I didn't get more than two minutes into it and realized that that's that's not for me. So what about um, disruptors? You know, you know, again, not being naive to the fact that there are changes coming. Um, you know, ask the ta- taxi industry if they ever thought that Uber was going to do what they did or ask the hotel industry about Airbnb. So I'm not naive to the fact that there, there are some quote-unquote disruptors probably amongst us or coming, you know, into the future. Do you see anything imminent, you know, one year, five year, ten years as far as a disruptor, or a disruptor goes in, in our market or industry? Uh, that's a very good question, Scott. I, I think, and I've heard it said, that we're one of the last great industries to delay or avoid disruption, but it's there. And uh, I think there's a number of areas that face some concerns, whether it's the realtor, the association, the brokerage, or the MLS system. And one of the big changes I think I see that'll trickle down through our industry is the brokerage model that we've been currently under for decades. I believe is facing some significant changes. Margins are shrinking. It's difficult for brokers to make the money that they used to make and provide the services that they used to provide. Technology has leveled the playing field. Back when I got in this industry, you used to have to belong to a large brokerage to have the exposure that you needed for your clients and and your business. Today with technology, you can be a single person in an office and have access to all the marketing and all the exposure that your clients ever need. So I think that's a significant disruptor for our members individually. Staying abreast of technology, and that doesn't mean getting on board with everything that comes on the scene every day because you drive yourself crazy, but being aware of what changes are out there and what tools can help you be better at what you do. Okay, great. And and I guess the last question on that would be, and maybe you've answered already, is you know you, you touched on technology. What do you see from an uh, association level and, you know, when you go to regional and national meetings as far as the future of real estate, as far as technology is concerned? Is there anything, you know, coming that might not be implemented or fully implemented now that is going to change our business from a, from a technology standpoint? Uh, probably the biggest thing I see, Scott, if you look at our industry, there's over a million members in the U.S. and about 125,000 in Canada. And the amount of dollars that exchange hands and the amount of commissions that are available in exchange hands, there are large organizations out there looking into our industry wondering how they can get a piece of that. I think about Amazon, I think about Google, I think about Zillow, I think about a lot of these web portals that want to get inserted into that transaction and control the consumer. Yes, the realtor will be involved, but they want their piece of the pie as well. And we have to be aware that when there's money on the table, there are organizations out there looking to get their piece of that. And that happened with, as you mentioned, the taxi industry. And Uber came along and said, we can do this better and we can control this industry. The taxi industry didn't respond. My fear with our industry is that we're sticking our head in the sand and we're not looking at what's coming. We're trying to ignore it and continue doing what we've always done. And that would be our downfall. So those that will be successful will see what's coming and they will respond to those things. Yeah, great point. So basically looking around, the, being able to see around the corner and see what's coming and, and adapt before it gets to you. Yes, I think it's very important for our members 
to attend different conferences, whether they're industry conferences or within their their uh, brand or their organization, because you hear about those things. You rub shoulders with your peers and you have those conversations. Very important. Well, and I'm glad you said that because it actually segues perfectly into the next uh, segment of the podcast here and, and, you know, starting to wrap it up. Um, I want to dig just a little bit deeper into business and, and the running of, of a business. We interrupt this program for today's shameless plug. If you want more information on this podcast and the host, or any information on the Saskatoon real estate market, including market stats, neighborhood profiles, or any listing that's currently for sale, you can find it all on the web at onlineopenhouse.ca. That's onlineopenhouse.ca. I'm also on all major social channels. It's called social media for a reason. Add me. Let's get social. Now, back to the show. I'm wondering, you know, what what would you consider to be the definition of a successful business? I think a successful business runs like a business. A lot of times when people come into our industry and want to be a realtor, they're in a salaried job mindset instead of looking at it as a business, which means you plan, you forecast, you, you budget, you know your cash flows, you know your expenses, your, your margins. And you can even look at a neighborhood in a city and say, okay, within this neighborhood, this is what's going on. These are the homes that are coming available for sale and becoming a real expert in those areas. And uh, I think the simple answer, just running it like a business would run a business. They do planning, forecasting, they look at their competition, they look at the trends, and they make sure that they're responsive to that. That's a great point. I, and I, I would agree with that, actually. I, you know, and I think as, as a realtor, we, you see the agents that, that come in and act exactly like you, you just said, and then you can actually see the agents that, that don't and you know, kind of the, the fruit of that. So no, that, those are some really great points. Um, I guess the next couple questions are designed to give the listener a glimpse into your leadership style. Um, I do think people learn from experiences. You just said that, you know, going to industry conferences and rubbing shoulders with people. I think of, you know, as a business owner myself, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, read a lot of books, uh, you know, follow various personalities. And, you know, I pick up, I try to emulate their good traits and maybe recognize some of the traits I don't like and see if, you know, I have any of that in my business. So I, I do think that people, you know, learn from observation. So I guess the, the next couple of questions I have uh, for you is, what do you think is one of or a couple of the weaknesses that you're aware of that you have as a CEO? Uh, I think my weakness as a CEO is time management and managing all the stuff that comes at me. Uh, I'm very good at being a visionary and a very high-level idea driver, but digging down into the details and the organizational side of things, I have to staff that in my life because I know it's a weakness for me. That's a great point. I mean, it. Uh, you know, I, I can't remember the saying off the top of my head, but, uh, you know, hiring out or, you know, farming out the things that you're not good at, and we hear that all the time in, in our business. And I think time management, especially, you know, as, as a realtor, as you, you kind of said earlier, coming into the business from a salary perspective where you know you get your 15 minute break and your half an hour lunch to now having to keep yourself you know busy all day is is a good point and you know you kind of touched on the next question but uh, you know opposite to that what do you think uh, some of your strengths are like what what's something that you do well 
Uh, I think what I'd like to do well is I believe in people. And I think anybody that works for you or comes into your life should leave that relationship better than when they came in. I invest in my people. I encourage my people. I have uh, key leaders on my team that I give lots of autonomy to make decisions and be creative and be innovative. And I think that's the best way for them to serve our client, which is the membership. If I give them free reign to look at the most innovative way of doing things and never looking at status quo and always being creative, they're going to enjoy coming to work, they're going to look forward to what they do, and they're going to motivate those people that answer to them. And it seems to work very well in our organization. Yeah, good. And as, a, as one of those members, I think that's encouraging to hear. I know actually something that I struggle with is, is micromanaging. Um, you know, nobody can do it as, as good as I, as I can do it. And so, you know, I, I, that's something that I definitely struggle with, um, you know, just handing it off and saying, just, just do it and, and letting them do it the way they want to do it, not the way I want to do it. You've got to be prepared to let them fail and make mistakes because I always say that learning has tuition attached to it. So whatever it is, if you're going to make mistakes, they're going to cost money, but you learn from it and you move on. Love it. Good. So getting to the, to the final word here, Jason, and I'll leave the final word up to you. Uh, this is the Saskatoon Business Podcast, after all. Um, what's one piece of advice that you could leave for an aspiring business owner or an established business owner that you think that they could use and implement starting today to make a difference in their business? I would say that the thing that would help most of the business people, the realtors in our industry, and has helped myself is surround yourself with people that know more than you do in the area that you work in and, and get good coaching. There's no sense in us reinventing the wheel. If somebody's already gone where we want to go, you can always tap into that advice and surround yourself with those types of people. They'll encourage you. They'll give you great ideas. They'll, uh, when you're having a bad day, there'll be somebody you can talk to. And uh, it's fun. It, it's, it's probably the thing that's helped me the most in what I do. Excellent. Well, the, what's the saying? If you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. That's right. Good. Well, Jason, I, I, I appreciate you being here. That That's all for today. Um, Again, I know that you're super busy and, you know, you took time out of your schedule to be here. And I know that I appreciate it. I know that the, the guests and, and the, uh, the listeners appreciate it. So thanks again for being here. I appreciate it. Thanks, Scott. Appreciate the opportunity. And thanks to the listeners who joined the show today. And I hope you'll stick around for the rest of the mini series and the rest of season one. And if you want to see any of our guests in person, you can head over to the YouTube channel. We have a playlist um, or a uh, yeah, playlist with all the episodes uh, posted there and the link will be in the show notes. And again, my name's Scott Ziegler, a realtor with Remax Saskatoon and your host of Open House, the Saskatoon Business Podcast. Signing off from Remax headquarters. Thanks for listening. And if there's anything in this world that I can do for you, just reach out because as always, I'm just happy to help. Thanks so much for listening to Open House, the Saskatoon Business Podcast. Please make sure to subscribe and give us a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from.